0: Alright, well this morning we continue with the second half of the message that we started last Sunday. And I want to do a bit of a review because the first part of this message today has to do with what we talked about last week. And if you were not able to be here last week, I really would encourage you to go to our website, chapelhillchurch.com, and to listen to the sermon online or download it and listen to it at a later time. Uh, It ties in with what we're talking about today, um, and this is about a bit of a vision for our future, and so I would encourage you to do that. Before we go any further, if you do not have a Bible with you this morning, you're going to need one, Uh, and if you don't, just go ahead and put your hand up and our ushers are ready. They'll give you a Bible that you can use for the service. Uh, Later on, we're going to read through an entire chapter together, and uh, you're going to want to have a Bible that you can follow along in when we get to that point. So let's go back to last Sunday and the things that we looked at together. We talked about the concept of spiritual growth and maturity. And there was a word that I tried to drill into into your minds regarding that concept. Do you remember what that word was? Yes, thank you. Okay, I was going to change the entire tone of my sermon there if nobody answered. So, the word was flourish. Thank you for remembering that. God's desire is that we flourish at every point, at every stage in our spiritual journey. He's concerned about what's taking place on the inside of us. The development of our character. The process of transforming us into the likeness of His Son. Our hearts Our hearts are being transformed transformed to reflect the heart of Jesus. And out of that transformation will come a transformation in the way that we behave, in the way that we live. We looked at a model last week of what that process of transformation might look like in our lives. We talked about six stages of faith development. And these were the six stages. Stage one was the recognition of God. And this is that initial awareness and acknowledgement of God and what his reality might mean for your life. And moving on from this stage involves connecting in some ways to a faith community. Stage two is called the life of discipleship. And this is a stage filled with learning about God and the teachings of Christ, growing in your understanding. Moving on from here will involve getting your focus onto the needs of others and finding ways to get involved in living out your faith in service. Step three we call the productive life. This is an active stage filled with serving and doing. You discover a bit of an identity in this and you use the gifts that God's given you for his purposes. And Moving on from here usually involves some sort of shaking of what you believe and practice. You're disenchanted and you're looking for more. Stage four was called the journey inward. Here you begin to question what you've heard and seen and that questioning drives you to God. There's a wall that's faced in this stage, and getting through that wall is going to involve surrendering our will and accepting God's will for our lives. Stage five is called the journey outward. There's a new depth of rest and peace that's experienced in this stage, and our preoccupation with ourselves is replaced with a natural focus on God and on others. Growth from this point on is less striving and more depending on our Father. We see God in all situations, and others see that in us as well. And stage six is simply called the life of love, and this is a a continual expansion and deepening of our love, of our dependence on God, of our death to ourselves, our obedience, our freedom. And as elders, we spent some time with this model this past summer. We looked at these stages, and particularly at what it takes to move on to the next stage, and that was one very helpful dimension of this model and what it did for us as the leadership of this church was push us to ask the question what should we be doing as a church to provide to create an environment for this kind of growth and development to take place And that question can be asked of each one of us personally regarding our own lives but also of us as leaders in the context of the church environment and out of that discussion we identified five areas that we as elders are focused on and using as a framework for setting goals and priorities for this season of our church's life. And I want to share those five areas, those five priorities with you this morning. The first of those five is the area of small group ministry. And this is a ministry that I feel has not been given the attention and the effort that it deserves for a while. And it needs to be restored. It needs to be revitalized. So there are some things that we're going to work on. We, we want to see our small group ministry better resourced. I believe that small groups have a threefold identity. And the first of those three aspects is the equipping piece, the teaching aspect. And so we've begun to assemble a library of small group study materials. And this is a big trend in the development of teaching curriculum these days. Uh, those resources are there to help small groups grow together in their understanding of God's word and how it applies to their lives. And so that resource library is going to grow. And if you're currently in a small group and you're looking for ideas on what to study together, you can come to the church for help with that. Come and check out what we have. We're going to continue to expand that library, and we've gotten a big start on it already. Second aspect of a small group's identity is that of fellowship. And this is critical, there's no question. People need to know that they belong and that they're part of a community. And as a church we want to be able to provide ideas for building that sense of community through fellowship. The third aspect of a small group's identity is that of service. Small groups provide a a very effective tool with which to serve others. Uh, It's fun and rewarding to serve together as a small group. So our missions team is working on creating a library full of ideas that you as a small group can put into practice. Your small group will be able to come to that team and receive a selection of ideas that you can choose from and put into action. We will invest in the creation of new small groups. We will also invest in the development of small group leaders, and there's plenty of material available to help you to be an effective small group leader. We will make those trainings available to you. I believe that we can expand this ministry easily and very effectively. And if you're in a small group right now, I I want you to ask yourselves two questions. First, how can we as a small group enhance our effectiveness and our impact? And secondly, how can we contribute to the development of the small group ministry here at Chapel Hill Church? And I want to challenge you to consider something. How many potential small group leaders do you have in your small group right now? Maybe it's time for God to expand this ministry by using the resources that exist among us right here. Resources like the gifts that exist in your current small group. Acknowledge that there are and there will be people here among us that need that connection, that community to enhance their spiritual growth. And they're missing it simply because there aren't small group leaders available. Second priority that we as elders are going to address is what we call servant development Servant development, there will always be an abundance of ways to get involved in the ministry of Chapel Hill Church, and there will be a desire to serve among our people. But we recognize that it's easy to become worn out in serving. It's easy to feel isolated if you're not receiving the equipping that you need to thrive, to flourish in serving that way. We want to do all that we can as leaders to ensure that everyone who serves is getting the equipping and the support that they need. There's a joy in serving the Lord, and we want to keep that joy in the forefront of people's minds. We want all of you to feel empowered, encouraged, appreciated, and well-equipped in what you're doing. And that's going to involve the participation of all of our ministry leaders and the input of all of you as servants. But we can and will develop this. The third priority that we're going to give attention to as elders and leaders is that of testimony. There's a point, or maybe several points, in all of our spiritual development When we need to know that someone else has been through what we're facing and can speak a word that will encourage us or give us the perspective to move forward with confidence. There's a tremendous power in testimony. We've seen that here. We plan for that here. Like next Sunday, we'll be profoundly impacted by what we hear when Teen Challenge comes. We've been impacted in the last couple months by the words and lives of those within our community who have stepped up and courageously shared what God has brought them through. And we will be intentional in our planning to make sure that we have the opportunity to encourage each other in our growth. We want to hear from you. What has God done in your life that could encourage somebody else in theirs? And we want to give you the opportunity to share those things, and we'll be letting you know how that can happen as we go. The fourth priority for us as leaders is the Sunday morning experience. This time right now. This time that we share together on Sunday mornings is a blessing. It really is. What a privilege it is to come together and worship freely. To learn in a way that impacts us. To care for each other authentically. And this is something that we want to get better and better at. This time is an entry point for new people that visit Chapel Hill Church. And we want to make sure that they encounter God and his people when they're here. So we'll pay attention to the content of every service to assure that it is meaningful and executed in the highest quality possible. Now the authenticity of that experience will remain intact. We will not become focused on putting on a show rather than creating an experience. The presence of God's spirit is what will bring power to our services, not the entertainment value that they possess. And it's within the Sunday morning experience that many people find the inspiration to face what they are encountering in life through the worship, through the message, through the fellowship. And that challenge will remain remain a very high value for us. I love working with Peter to put these services together. We have a great time. I love working with our dedicated staff to make sure that all the details are in place. I love working with the elders to evaluate and to create a vision for the future together. And we want to see a high-quality environment created each and every Sunday throughout this building across all ages to give every person here what they need to encounter God and to grow in their faith. Now, you've seen some of the fine-tuning that we've been doing already in this room and elsewhere, and you will see more of that in days to come. The fifth priority for us as leaders of this church is leadership development. None of what we hope to accomplish here is possible without godly leaders we need leaders who demonstrate humility maturity integrity and a dependence on god to lead in this very valuable ministry and we believe that leaders in all areas of ministry need to be properly equipped to carry out god's calling without that equipping we invite fatigue disillusionment and discouragement among our leaders and without that equipping the effectiveness of this ministry will diminish I am thoroughly enjoying right now leading our elders through a season of equipping in their role as we grow in our understanding of what it means to be an elder. Uh, We're working through some great material right now that I pray will build a solid foundation for that aspect of our leadership. I'm anxious to carry out that equipping with all of our ministry leaders, but that kind of equipping should be carried out by more than just me, the pastor. A church needs leaders training and equipping Leaders. And we believe that that is possible to put into practice, and we're discussing ways to make that a reality. So there are five priorities: small groups, servant development, testimony, the Sunday morning experience, and leadership development. And we have plenty of work uh, to do, and more priorities to come as we possess, as we progress. And thankfully, we have a God who is able. These are the priorities that he's laid on our hearts and this does not mean that we are going to neglect other things about our ministry that are not on this list. These are growth areas for us and will be addressed in tandem with other dimensions of this ministry here at this church. But these are the areas that we believe will move us forward in creating an environment in which spiritual growth will take place if we give them the attention that they deserve. Will you get behind this? Every one of us plays a role in this. Every one of us. First and foremost, this has got to be covered in prayer or we're just wasting our time on this. And we're going to start that prayer cover in just a few minutes here. But prayer is just one way to participate and hopefully a way that every one of us will participate. This kind of vision requires people. What got your attention over the last few minutes here? Listen to God as he leads you to get involved if you aren't already. We need leaders. When Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall, he gave responsibility to so many people for their part in the rebuilding process. What will your part be in the rebuilding of the ministry of Chapel Hill Church? Is God calling you to serve as an elder, a ministry leader, a teacher, a servant in some other capacity here? Answer that call. Answer the call. We are the light of the world, and we need all of our participation in order for that light to shine as brightly as it can. And obviously, progress in these priorities is going to take resources. Now, Due to all the transitions of the past several years here, we've been operating on a survival budget to get us through those times. God has provided in the midst of those transitions, and you have given faithfully to get us through that, and I thank you for your participation in that. Now it's time to look at our budget a little differently. The priority of our budget needs to be the enhancement, the rebuilding of this ministry. To accomplish the things that God is showing us, we need to expand our resources as a church. It's time for a sacrificial investment by all of us. But step one in that journey is to close the gap in our budget, to eliminate the shortfall that's there. Uh, A few weeks ago when I preached on leveraging your possessions, I asked you to consider trimming the fat at home to selling some stuff that you don't need and giving towards the ministry of the church. And the initial response to that was very encouraging. Uh, Thank you for responding and for shortening that gap. We still have a ways to go. Will you give to close that gap and to prepare us to expand the scope of this ministry? If you want one of those envelopes that we distributed last week, there are more on the slat board out here by the office. You can grab one but it doesn't take an envelope or selling something to get involved. It comes down to choosing to invest in this ministry that God has blessed us with. I am so excited about the potential that exists here at Chapel Hill Church. I am so grateful for the characteristics of this church that made it so easy to say yes to this calling. This is a healthy church. This is a flourishing church. Is there opportunity to grow? Of course there is. Of course there is. But in our community life, just as in our personal life, God's concern is that we are flourishing wherever we are at in our growth. We are flourishing, Chapel Hill Church. We are. Praise God for that, and let's continue to grow. I want to shift our attention now back to our own personal spiritual growth. But before I do, I want to take a moment here to pray for these priorities and for this next season in our life as a church. So will you join me in that? Will you just bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm going to give you a moment silently again to just lift these things up to God. Will you go to him right now and lift up the ministry of Chapel Hill Church? Ask for God's blessing on this and for the things we've been talking about. Father, we come to you this morning as as your church, as your people, your family, your community. And we come, first of all, in a spirit of thanksgiving. Thank you, Father, for all that this church is, for all of the different ministries that take place here, for the very obvious presence of your spirit in our midst. Thank you for the relationships that you've given us here for the teaching that you've led us through, for the times of growth and times of walking in the wilderness, maybe, and wondering what you have next. Thank you for carrying us through every stage that we've gone through as a church. Lord, we look back over the last several years at some of the transitions and things that have gone on, the different changes here. And while some of those were difficult, we see your hand all over it. So we know as we look forward with great confidence that you have your hand on us and that you have a plan for us, a plan to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us hope and a future. And we're trusting you, Father, with that plan. And we come before you this morning with some of the things that we're looking at as leadership and now together as a congregation. We just offer them up to you. None of this can happen without your power. We ask for your Holy Spirit to just fill every aspect of this ministry. We ask for growth in everything that we do here on Sunday mornings with our children, with our youth, with whatever it is that you've called us to be as a church. We just ask for your power to fill everything that we're doing. I ask, Father, that you would raise up leaders here that people would respond to the call that you're placing on their life to lead, to step forward in courage and to teach, to be an elder, to be a servant in some way here. Thank you for how you're going to use those individuals. Father, we're counting on you as we move forward, as we've seen a bit of what you've revealed to us as leaders here. We're counting on you to guide us step by step as we follow you in obedience. Thank you that we can count on that. And we commit all this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we develop individually, personally, we're going to see growth in some different areas of our lives. Where will that growth be evident? And that's the question asked that resulted in the title of the message today, Where the Green Things Are. Chip Ingram recently wrote this great book called Living on the Edge. And in it, he outlines a basis for spiritual growth, and we'll explore this basis more in days ahead. But I want us to look at the scope of what he describes this morning. One chapter in the Bible is at the heart of his approach to the subject of spiritual growth. And I want to introduce you to this chapter as a bit of a theme chapter for us as a church when it comes to our spiritual growth. The chapter is Romans 12, and I'd invite you to turn there now in your Bibles. Romans chapter 12. This chapter is a great bird's eye view of something very central to our lives. It addresses five essential relationships that are impacted by our spiritual growth or our lack of spiritual growth. So let's read through the chapter together and then I'll identify those five relationships. Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary... If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not, become over, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, what a great chapter this is. It has so much to say to the concept of spiritual growth and how that growth impacts your life and your relationships. So what are the five relationships that are affected here? Well, each one of them is addressed with a question and some perspective on what that relationship might look like. Now, in your bulletin is an outline of these five relationships so that you can follow along there and add some notes to it if you want to. The first question is this. How do I give God what he wants most? And the relationship addressed here is, of course, our relationship with God. What does God want the most from us? Surrender. Surrender. This is one of my favorite and most inspiring words. Surrender to God. Verse 1 of chapter 12 is where this is addressed. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This surrender is evidence of growth in your relationship with God. The second question is this. How do I get God's best for my life? The relationship addressed here is our relationship with the world in terms of the world's values and culture. How do we connect with God's best? By separating ourselves from the world's values. Verse 2 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The third question is this. How do I come to terms with the real me? Now we're talking about the relationship that we have with ourselves. If we're to love others as we love ourselves, what does that love for ourselves look like? How should we view ourselves? Verse 3 has some words to say about sober judgment before it goes on to expand on our place in the community of christ and how we view ourselves there it says this do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment on to the fourth question how do i experience authentic community that's one of the goals of our church here to affirm and to build that very sense of community that exists here already now we're talking about our relationship with other believers And the word there is serve, serve. We are to do what it says in verse 10 of Romans 12. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Then the last question, how do I overcome the evil aimed at me? And this has to do with our relationship with the not yet believers around us and the forces of evil that influence them. We are to respond supernaturally to evil. The last verse of this chapter, verse 21, says this. Do not, become, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So here's one chapter that identifies the five relationships in our lives in which we'll see growth if we are flourishing. Wouldn't you like to see yourself flourish in all five of those areas? Our relationships affirm the growth in our lives or they should draw attention to the lack of growth. I want to challenge you to set some goals for yourself in each one of those relationship areas. What do you want to see happen? How do you want to see yourself grow <coughs> Excuse me, grow in order to produce some green in these relationships? And our vision as the leadership of this church is to create an environment for that growth to take place. So we all have some work to do. We all have our part in this. We're going to create environments for this growth to take place in us as a church. We're going to set goals in our lives for growth that will be evident in all of our relationships. Personally, this growth will be a priority for me in my life at home and in my preaching, in my leadership and in my serving. I know that God's committed to this. Are we? Well, this is what God's been laying on my heart for the last few months as I've approached this very brief time of vision-casting with you. I have a vision of green. I have a vision of growth, of flourishing. Like a plant, there are branches in that vision that are just emerging and taking form. There are fast-growing shoots with bright green leaves. There are well-established dark green leaves soaking up the light and bringing nourishment to the whole tree. And there's fruit produced in the context of relationships and character. Catch that vision. Flourish. Let God empower your life to flourish no matter what you're facing right now. And may God empower us as a church family to flourish right here, right now, as he leads us into his plans for our future. I ask our ushers to come now and prepare for our offering Before we come to that time of giving, let's take some time to pray again. Just commit ourselves to God. Father, this morning we come to you once again to tell you that we love you. To thank you so much for caring for us. For having a plan for us. Both individually and as a church body. Thank you for communicating to us through your spirit, for not leaving us alone to figure these things out. And Father, I think every one of us wants to see growth transformed into the impact that happens in all of our relationships. We want to see evidence of growth in each aspect of our life, relationships that we have with you With ourselves, with each other, the world around us. God, we want to see that growth take place. So I ask, Father, that we would not lose sight of that vision that you have for us. If nothing else, just to think green. To remember that you have one thing in mind for us. And that is to flourish. Father, I thank you for the leadership of this church and the time that we've been able to spend looking at this together and listening to you. Thank you for guiding us as we move forward, for empowering every single one of us to flourish and grow. Thank you again for that amazing love that you have for us. I pray all this in Jesus' name.